JT and the Don with your hosts, Jimmy Thompson and Donato Bucci. They're covering the most current issues in sports from the 305 to the 412 and all the way to the West Coast. You can follow them on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at JT and the Don or email them at JT and the Don at gmail.com. Now take it away, guys. Welcome to the next episode of JT and the Don presented by Give Us a Shot Network. I am the Don Donato Bucci. And remember to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever you find all of your other favorite podcasts. And remember to leave us a five-star review. Also subscribe to the YouTube channel, Give Us a Shot Network. We had our yearly fantasy football preview show last week. Next week, we've got our NFL preview show, but this week, one of our favorite with one of the guests that has appeared the most all time on the JT and the Don show for our college preview show. But before we bring him in, let's welcome in everyone's favorite JT, Jimmy Thompson. How you feeling tonight? Good, man. What's going on? This is Always one of the best shows we do, man. Uh, excited to get it started. I, I really don't have too much to say to you. You already know where I stand. I'm not a big fan of yours. Big fan of this guy. So can we bring him in or you got any other things to say? Yes, as long as you allow him to speak more than you do, because no one wants to hear from you. They, they want to hear from the experts. I never outtalk him. You're already, go, go ahead. Let's just get started. You're already ahead. talking too much. So let's bring in our college football expert. Bring him on to the show. Connor Cassidy, thank you very much again for taking time to come on with us. How are you? What's up, fellas? How y'all doing? Doing, doing I'm do, great. I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Really excited to be back on with you guys. Good, good. It, it's been about eight months. We we had you on in December, I believe, for the uh, the usual conference championships, I believe. So are, are you ready to get going? Let's do it. All right. So for the fans, if this is the first time listening to Connor, he always has some great um, analysis, takes, and great predictions other than that uh, ugly shirt there. Sorry, Connor. All right, so let's start. The college athletics landscape, let's start with that. In particular, college football, uh, the college football landscape is continually changing. Back in May, Oklahoma and Texas took the final steps in leaving the Big 12 for the SEC, which that will occur next year, July one. Earlier this month, the Big Ten Conference added Oregon and Washington. Both schools will officially join the conference in August 2024. So, Connor, go to you first. Is conference realignment ruining college football? So I might be a little bit biased being the college football expert, right? I'm going to say that, no, it is not ruining college football, but it is certainly altering the landscape as we've known it for a long time. Um and what it's doing is it's taking away some of these old traditional rivalries that we've become accustomed to looking forward to in the fall. Uh, but it's not taking away all the fun of the sport, right? Like the pageantry that exists within college football is not going away. Saturdays on college campuses with tailgating, with marching bands, with cheerleaders, with, you know, big matchups, like none of that is leaving. The opponent from week to week, season to season is going to look a little different, Um but, you know, we're still going to have so much that makes us love college football. So, you know, we're going to lose a little bit of that, like, geographical or uh, regional aspect of the sport. And some of, like, these conferences that have had identities based on the style of play uh, is going to be changing a little bit. Um, 
but I think it's still going to be great. And what's really interesting, the way I was thinking about it today is like, we're no longer going to have these regional rivalries, but we're going to have like Rose Bowl games now on a regular basis. The way that the Pac-12 and the Big Ten have merged, like what used to be a once in a year, maybe once in a decade type matchup between like a Washington and a Wisconsin is now going to happen like once every few years or whatever. Um, so that'll be an exciting uh, change in and of itself. JT? I mean, you expect me to argue with the expert. I mean, that's why you, you better got to go in first. You better not. <laughs> I mean, but let's be honest. Will there still be games on Saturday, yes or no? Yes. Yeah. Of course. Are you still going to be able to see your favorite team and players play, yes or no? Yep. All right, cool. So, I mean, nothing – It's it's not ruining college football. If anything, it's giving the teams that are not in the SEC opportunity to maybe, you know – get a championship so that's going to make more fans you know interested in watching it you know throughout the year but i feel like as long as there's games our players that we want to see players still playing it doesn't matter about the realignment i know people are all up in arms about you know the rivalry games disappearing but i mean to be honest you know this new generation i don't think they care as much about rivalry week as you know maybe some of the older generation does so i think it'll sting at first but hey look if i'm not playing you know, Oklahoma versus Oklahoma State, but that means I get to go to a national championship or the playoffs, then I'm all for that. So I don't think it'll be a problem. People will just complain at first and then they'll be used to it, you know, down the road in two years. Coach Cassidy, I know it's been a while since you've been on the show, but don't fall for JT's traps where he'll answer a question with giving three questions, right? Don't don't fall for that. But I agree with both of you. No, it's not ruining. Yeah, that's just his way to say he agrees with me. Anytime that I say something that is correct, he's gonna he's gonna you know I know step on I, it and then be like, say, all right, he's right and say the same thing. I, we know your tricks by now. No, I agreed with the answer and the analysis of our expert, not necessarily with what you said. <laughs> but but I agree, it's not ruining college football. And actually, I'm I'm looking long term here. I think it's going to force schools and college football teams to get on the same page. Um, in terms of what college football will look like, you know, in the future. And I, I agree, Connor, like, yes, yeah, some of those traditional rivalries may go away. But if those teams and schools and, and presidents of the universities really, truly do want those rivalries, those can continue. There's no doubt that Oklahoma can still play Oklahoma State. Look at Miami and Florida State, our two teams, right? Like I've, we've got the Miami gear on. You've got the, the ugly Florida State gear on. But you look at that, when Miami was in the Big East, Florida State in the ACC, they played every year. And those were some of the best games, actually better games than when they both were in the same conference because it mattered maybe even more. So I, I think that can still exist if, if those particular schools in, in those rivalries still want it. So I had mentioned that I think the, the, the schools will be forced to look into the future to maybe change something. So so, Connor, what does college football look like to you in the next five to 10 years? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. And I think basically uh, college sports, but college football, especially since it's the one driving the change, uh, continues down this path towards professionalization. Um, and I think what it's going to do is going to concentrate the programs uh, with the most resources and the willingness to spend the resources Um around football. And, uh, you know, I think, unfortunately, maybe to the detriment of some of the other college sports. But so I hope what takes place is that like the college football programs that are most invested 
coalesce and consolidate and essentially like break off from everything else and be their own entity. Uh, and then, you know, I think what might also take place is that some of the programs that have been a part of these like power conferences will actually get sort of pushed aside. Some of the some of the schools that aren't willing to like really pony up the most amount of money or don't have the alumni support and financial resources or really just sort of like the bandwidth to have football on like this professional like scale. Nice. JT? You know, um, I'm really upset and disappointed with you. Not you, coach, but Don, because he knows that, you know, here on this show, we're supposed to vet people before they come on. And he, and he tricked me. He gave me all these great credentials. And he's like, you know your stuff, what you do. And we've seen this year after year. But I'm hearing this differently coming from an FSU fan, which I did not know you were. And like, I can't, I, this, this, this is very hard for me to sit back and hear you give good analysis, knowing that I hate that shirt that you have on. And I hate saying that you're right even more. But I'm going to keep it simple. I agree with everything you just said. Five to 10 years, let's just keep it simple. It's going to look like college basketball less emphasis on regular season importance and everyone's going to have a bigger chance to get to the big dance, which is going to make it more exciting. And the fan bases are going to be more locked in, you know? So that's where I think it's going to go more playoff appearances, more opportunities for championships. And it's just going to mirror March madness. It might not be to that extent where we're looking at 64 teams, but the equivalent of 64 teams in a football setting. Yeah, you know, I, I agree with you, um, Coach Cassidy, not necessarily JT. You can, it's actually okay. Both. You can say you actually agree both. with me, too. Yes. I, know it's, I, know, I know this is making you pissed off, but hey, look, <laughs> say, say, just say the whole time out. For everyone watching, say, JT, I agree with you, too. So, so Connor, I agree with you he can't do in it. that, I, and I've been saying it for years, and I know JT knows this, they've got to break off and become separate entities, just like universities have hospitals systems that are separate entities, right? Like, yes, it goes under, like, for for example, Miami has the U Health. We know in Pittsburgh, they have what's called UPMC. Those are, you know, University of Pittsburgh Medical Center. The U Health is under University of Miami umbrella, but they're separate entities. So they don't fall into some of the restrictions that in the red tape that the university falls under, things that fall under the university, for example, the NCA or what, you know, um, the the school falls under with federal things. So this would allow them to separate from the NCAA. And I think the way we're going, maybe not in five years, but more like 10, pay players is going to be contracts, salary caps. They're going to be its own minor league system to the NFL, but still be tied to the school. So they don't lose the branding. They don't lose those fans. And they still have the tradition and pageantry of college football. And if you go over the cap, Major penalties, just like in the NFL. And if a booster pays someone under the table, I mean, that that would be something where that would be consequences that would be devastating to the player, the coaches, and the, the school, and the university, I should say, the team, not necessarily the school. Um, and I think what it's going to look like is regions, divisions, kind of a mix of the NFL with the playoffs, one and done, but the World Cup in a sense where, hey, out of this region, the top two teams advance. And then that third team that has the best record, you know, between all of the different regions ends up getting in the playoffs as well. So it's not you just need to win your division. It, it can be accumulation of the top two, maybe the top three, the top two with multiple third wild cards, just like you see in pool play, like in the World Cup. 
I think that's the way it ends up going, and that may level the playing field. So Cincinnati can come out of like the Midwest, and only Alabama and like Texas A&M can come out of the South. So, so something like that. Um, do want to throw up this one, Jason Curtis. Thanks again for listening and watching. Some rivalries are getting revived. He mentioned Texas and Texas A&M. That's true. So for some of those that said, "Oh, you know, the the rivalries are going to go away," well. It went away when Texas A&M moved, but now with Texas moving, that one comes back. So doesn't completely ruin all of the rivalries. Uh, so good point by Jason. Thank you again. So, so coach, name one team that can benefit from these conference realignments and one team that suffers the most. So I think the teams that benefit are the ones who are kind of like riding the coattails of the biggest brands. So I think about like Washington, like if, if you look at the last couple decades or so, Washington's maybe been like fourth place in the Pac-12. But what they're doing is they're riding on like Oregon and USC and UCLA, and they're getting invited into the Big Ten. And so a program like that is now going to get like all the financial windfall that is going to come from the Big Ten revenue and use that to continue to enhance their program. Um, but like they themselves weren't necessarily like the hottest brand in that uh, conference realignment. Um, and then I think the losers will be teams that maybe are not um, one willing to put forth all that it's going to take to compete at the highest level. And I think especially about like the elite academic schools that are like right now, power five schools like Northwestern or Vanderbilt or Duke, like, are they going to want to pony up the cash and resources to compete with Florida state, Miami, you know, Alabama, you know, Ohio State, those 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 blue blood brand names. Um, and then I think also just like a team that's sort of, you know, on the perimeter of the conferences as they stand now, I think of teams like Maryland and Rutgers who have lived through one conference realignment, but like, are they really going to be able to compete in this new, even more powerful conference? And like, what does that look like to them when you bring in like, you know, four or five really quality teams. That, that's that's a great point. That's going to be interesting because a lot of people look at the teams that are moving instead of the teams that are already in a conference that are adding uh, schools and teams. So that that that's actually an interesting um, view on on that. JT, I mean, it's hard to argue with that answer, but I'm, I'm gonna try. So the teams that will benefit the most are those big programs that are already big and dominate their regions and recruiting that are going to the SEC. So I'm looking at people like Oklahoma and Texas. Like, they've dominated that region in college football recruiting since Don was born, like, in the 70s. So they've been doing this a long time. And you look, look at what it did to Texas A&M. Like, Texas A&M is getting all the talent in the world and winning five games. And kids still want to go there, and I don't get it. So imagine what Texas and Oklahoma will do with SEC backing. So those are the teams that I think are going to have the biggest improvement and advantage. Now, disadvantage, you want to go ahead and sit up a little bit so we can see that shirt? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's teams like FSU because, one, I have to see where they end up. And here's the difference between FSU and, let's say, Miami, because I put us both in the same boat. The difference is our program is willing to pump money into winning, where FSU has gotten by with sort of like the money ball scheme of college football, you know, getting in the transfer portal, you know, we don't, our boosters are not paying the most money. So we're going to, you know, pay money to guys to stay a little bit longer and not go to the draft. And with conference realignment, 
that's going to be out the window. And I think people don't understand the culture of FSU and how much the boosters not willing to do what it takes financially has played in stifling their development. Like that's why Jimbo's in with the Aggies and not still with you guys. Cause he tried to tell you, look, it's a pay to play game. We're behind with facilities, with paying players and whatnot and investing into the program. And you guys are lucky to be where you are now because of the portal. And because you guys were able to get a coach like Norvell who wasn't a marquee name, took less money, and it's happened to work out. But look at the future. Like, what happens when this group of guys leaves? Like, Verse, Travis, like, how do you guys restock that without pumping more money into the program through the boosters? So I think it'll hurt teams like FSU that have ridden the fence and been cheap when this whole conference realignment thing happens. The difference is Miami, we've shown, like, hey, Nevin Shapiro's in our blood. We'll throw the money out there to get it done. We just got to get the right guys to come to our program. Well, we don't we don't say that name around these these. Parts. Hey, look, man, we, we don't say look, that. I, I just watched don't the have, part two yeah, last yeah. night again, nah. man. Look, I want to get back to those days. I don't, no, I don't, no. I don't know how we do it. We didn't win anything. Look, hey, look, we look, look we had the wrong coach, but we were getting top recruits. We we have good coaches now. I want those players back. I want me and Randy Phillips. It's like, look, man, I want I want to go out there and lay it all on the line. I need that you swagger back. This is how we do it. We got to go get those guys. Well, Coach Cassidy, you're not supposed to laugh at JT when at his jokes when he tries to take a, a, a yo, shot. Yo, it's it's right? funny you're saying that. That's not allowed. That's you try to act like you don't laugh at anything I say. Like, I know you don't like the things that I say, but you laugh at mostly it, everything I say. And it's funny, JT, you're just agreeing with him tonight. Like, you're probably not even listening to what he's saying. And you just, I agree. I agree. I mean, I wish you would do that with some of the things I say. Well, if you so, say stuff that makes sense, I would agree with you. I do. So listen to no, this you one. you don't. The one team that can benefit. You said Mason think, Rudolph was going to be a Hall of Fame player. How can I ever trust I, you with I information and advice? When did I say that? Pull up your tape. We have a, this is, this is episode 144. Pull up the other 143. So okay. Cincinnati is going to benefit, right? They already made a playoff without being in a power five. And they probably needed some help, even though they went undefeated, because other teams lost, right? Now – They've already been the one. They starting to have that name recognition. Now you put them in a power five. If they go undefeated out of the what the Big 12, they should be in the playoffs. They don't need anyone to lose or falter in a championship game. And even if they lose one game, you know, if they end up running the table in the Big 12 this year while Texas and Oklahoma are still in there with one loss, they might get in the playoffs. The team that I think hurts the most, it hurts the most right now from what I see it in terms of the move, the, the teams that have moved, is UCLA. Like, I'm not sure the last time they've had that great of a team. And now, how are you going to win a Big Ten title? Like, you, you can't even win the Pac-12. And it's going to be tough to recruit because you're not going in the Midwest and winning those recruiting battles. You can't even do it out West because USC and Oregon are winning those battles. So I, I just – I don't see how that's going to help UCLA. I understand the TV contract much better than the Pac-12 contract. But other than that, I think it's a loose situation um, for, for UCLA. So I think they're going to suffer the most on the field where, where – let's be honest, for us three, that's where it matters the most, right? Like we're not worried about how much a school makes or how it looks. Like we care about wins and losses on the field as fans, and I think that's – the team that's going to hurt the most is, is UCLA, even with even with Chip Kelly, who's you know been turning it around there. 
right. You, are, you, are you happy with that? I'm done. You you said you're you agree. All right. Are you next sure question. You're done? Next I don't question. Want, I don't want to get on your bad side. I don't want to offend you. I don't want you getting in your feelings. Did you get you're wasting every, all, time. everything next out that question. you wanted to say? You got everything out you wanted time. to say? Next question. All right. Cool. So we can talk about coaches now because we know how special coaches are. You know, they're the face of football programs and apparently they're the face of our show. So I'm, I'm outnumbered. So we've already seen one coach fired prior to the season even starting. But that got us thinking. What coach going into this season is under the most pressure? Well, I think this is kind of an easy answer. Uh, and I'm curious to hear who you guys have to say, because I've got a couple others um, on my list here. But I think Jimbo Fisher's the guy, uh, you know, coming off a very disappointing five and seven season. You lose at home to App State. Um, you know, the only thing that has saved him in the past is the enormous buyout. Um, and it's still pretty big. I think it's in the neighborhood of like $77 million uh, this year. But talking about boosters willing to write a check, the Aggies will will certainly be ones to do it if uh, AM gets off to a sluggish start or has a bad year. Um, and I think also just like if you stack two poor seasons on top of one another, and not to mention like our previous topic, conference realignment, and then you've got your rival Texas coming in, Oklahoma's coming in, like – they're not going to just sit around and be mediocre, I don't think, uh, and, and and looked at their you know neighbors coming in to compete. I, I just don't see that happening. So that's that's the hottest seat in my opinion. Um, and it's interesting, you know, he made Jimbo made big changes this year. He's like given up the play calling duty, brought in Bobby Petrino to call plays. So it'll be interesting to see if those changes work out in his favor. Oh, that's usually like the death note right there when you start <laughs> assigning play calling duties. Like that's like the last guess right there, even at the NFL level. So I, I agree. That's, that's probably the right answer. Coach, if he goes eight and four, is he does he get fired? No, I don't think so. Eight and four is like respectable, especially with you know the SEC West. Uh, no, well, I, I mean, you can't, you can't respect eight and four for Jimbo Fisher. Well, I think eight and four coming off a of five and seven season with a seventy-seven million dollar buyout. But well, I think we're not talking like, about Larry Coker here, like that'd be good for him. This is Jimbo Fisher. He's supposed to be the future. Like if, if you know, he's got to make a bowl. <laughs> got to make a bowl. Yeah, okay. definitely. Put it on All a right. t-shirt. Got to make a bowl. Interesting. <laughs> um, six so and I'm six gonna... doesn't look too good either. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm going to go, Coach Cassie. I'm going to go with your other team. All right. I think the team that you like the most. Now you're just wearing that shirt to. To get us riled up, we understand what you're doing. We love how you play along with the show. That's great. Hey, look, don't speak for me. I don't like this at all. Like, <laughs> I don't even know how he lets you through security with that shirt on. I'm, I'm highly upset. So he's speaking for himself. I'm, I'm going to go to the West West Virginia WVU. Neil Brown, two consecutive losing seasons. So if he has a third, doesn't bode well for him. He lost to who their true rival is, Pitt, last year, and. You know, you've got Oklahoma and Texas out after this year. So they may want a fresh start knowing, hey, those two powerhouses are out. Let's go get a let's go. Let's go fresh. Let's go get a new guy. Go fresh. Because if he loses three in a row, I think he's got to be. I I don't see how he does it. And, you know, I'm not going to say he has national pressure because I don't think West Virginia is at that level. Um, at least not right now, and, and it hasn't been for a little while, especially since it's gone to the Big 12. But I think locally, they love their football there. And that's what they have in Morgantown, and that's what they rally behind. And locally, I got to imagine, maybe Coach Cassidy, you, you know more than us with that team, I can't imagine how much pressure there is on him locally there to have a winning season, get to a bowl, maybe win a bowl game, and start turning it around, if not 
I, I'd imagine he's got to be out. And I to add on, because he was the next on my list, like some people are projecting three or four wins. Ooh. That's not going to get it done. No. no. I mean, even with that being said, I mean, I agree with you. It's West Virginia. Like, that's not how I took the question as far as pressure. Like, there's no pressure there. Like, nobody's paying attention to West Virginia. Oh, and if and you were in Morgantown, there's if you're in Neil the Brown's backyard bowl, chair, they care about day. it. Yep. If you're in Neil Brown's but, chair every day, that seat is hot. But I feel like West Virginia is one of those programs where like guys can stay around with six win seasons. Like to the outside, it might seem like, oh, like that record's horrible. Get rid of him. But I mean, he 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 should be the answer. But it's the pressure part. Coach, I agree with you. It's Jimbo Fisher. And it's because not just how he's performed on the field, but it's the optics around it. Like, you keep in mind, Jimbo Fisher was basically brought in to dethrone Nick Saban. Like, that's why they made this move. And now he's watching Kirby Smart live his life. And now the Aggies are left held in the bag. So I'm sorry. Like, a bowl game to me is not going to cut it. Like, he needs to get to the playoffs or it was just an amazing fight to get there and we just missed it. Because here's the thing that people aren't talking about. Two things. One, for the past couple of years, there's been rumors of discourse behind the scenes with Jimbo and the boosters. I'm sorry, SEC coach not getting along with boosters, you're out of there. That that's they're not they're not letting that fly. So that's problem number one. And then the other thing is for all this Jimbo Fisher hype and you know how like you know he's this great guy, he's got the same record as Kevin Sumlin through the exact same time. Like, I'm sorry, at least when Kevin Sumlin was there, like they had us believing that Texas AM could win a national championship, like they had guys there. Like, shoot, I can go on Netflix and look at the Sumlin era and be like, hey, look, this was wild. This was exciting. We didn't get it done, but we had fun doing it. Like, what has been fun about the Jimbo Fisher era in College Station? Nothing. So he's definitely under the most pressure. If they don't do exactly what I said, he will be gone. They will be giving him that buyout check. Peace out. Well, I, I would the one pushback I would give is, because I think Neil Brown would go before Jimbo, is because – why haven't they done it already? And if it is the buyout, it's still like 77 or 82 million, something I think in it's there. Comp- like, I think it's complicated. I don't think the money is okay, the reason why but, they haven't but, bought him but out, but I think I'm it's saying. the optics. Like, okay. this guy was supposed to be the savior but, of the program. But it's not program. only that. It's not only that. He is getting the number one top four recruiting classes. Like, I, but he's winning I, I have five to, games. Hold on. I have to go back and look, but I don't think Kevin Sumlin was getting those sort, sort of classes. So they're willing to give him time because they know he can recruit. Oh, Texas a was recruiting. How many times did the number one quarterback go there? At one okay. point, they had a lot. That's different. Gym. Listen, that's different than having the number one recruiting class. Don't don't act like oh, it's the same thing. That's totally different. You when act you like they to, weren't recruiting with. Kevin I didn't Sumlin. say that. I just said he didn't have the same type of high class. All right, so so we get it. So we get it. He loves Kevin Sumlin. I don't like Jimbo Fisher. So let's go on to this, Coach. I got to ask you this question. I like it. Kevin might be Kevin. Jimbo Fisher. I didn't think they Which, should fire him to begin with. Gosh, I really want to say something mean to you right now, but I'm I'm focused on the FSU guys. See what you're making me do? Be nice. Coach, it might be Jimbo Fisher, but which coach needs a 10-win season the most? So this is an interesting question because, like, a 10-win season, there's a lot of coaches out there who would say, you know, I'll I'll do anything to take a 10-win season, right? I mean, if you you got 10 wins, you're doing well, uh, qualifying for a bowl and everything like that. Um, And so I was looking through some of the teams and where where they're – you know, standing preseason is, and uh, I settled on Marcus Freeman. Um, so hear me out on this. They have, of their 12 game regular season schedule, they have games against Clemson, Ohio State, and USC. 
which they'll likely be, you know, the underdogs going into those games for. Um, and so, you know, if you if you put all three of those as losses, um, so then they're they're nine and three, but then all their other opponents are unranked. Uh, meaning if they lose any of those games, that's going to be a bad loss. And if you like lose one or a game before or a game after one of those big boy opponents, you know, uh, either looking ahead or coming off a tough defeat, it's going to start to build pressure that was there last year when they suffered some ugly losses to Marshall and Stanford. And I think, uh, you know, not that Marcus Freeman's in a hot seat necessarily, but I just don't think like he can suffer many more than three losses um, or there's going to be sort of just like more negative energy built on a little bit of those question marks that were there last season. I think also you look at um, he's lost his offensive coordinator. And so there's just some other things off the field that are going to challenge their success this year. And so, you know, if he isn't approaching 10 wins, it's going to be a little bit of a disappointing season there. Mm. All right. I, I want to throw up one thing that Jason Curtis wrote. There's a lot of excitement for 2024 and AM. If 2023 isn't a disaster, it will be viewed as a springboard. Goes goes to prove my point. There's that excitement. They know down the line they're willing to give him time because they know what's coming you know, down this, the road. This sounds like All something right. a Miami fan so, would say. You're like, so, oh, you know, this, this is going to springboard to the next great season, and then the next season so, doesn't happen, and we're so, going to keep doing this forever. So can I give can I give my answer? Because I actually want to put up our, our, guy, our guy, Scott, Coach Cassidy knows Scott, 18 SKG. Brent Venables needs a big turnaround at OU before they move to SEC. I couldn't agree more. That was a great segue to my answer. It's Brent Venables. Like, Oklahoma, OU – they're consistently they consistently won 10 games under stoops. They may lose in the in the Big 12 title game, they may lose in the playoffs, or they may, you know, go 10 and 2 and, and be just outside the playoffs, but they consistently got the double digits, it felt like. And the Big 12, you're going from the Big 12 going to the SEC, like it's it's not gonna get easier. So if you can't get 10 wins now, how's it gonna get easier? Like eight wins for him. In the, in the Big 12 this year before going to the SEC. Like, to me, that's not good enough. He might get fired based off of what happened the year before in some of the comments he made over the offseason. Talk about a guy that needs 10. He needs it. He may not be under pressure right now, but if he wins seven games, I wouldn't be surprised if they look to move on from him already because he doesn't have a huge buyout like some of these other guys. So I think the guy that needs 10, especially because he may not see it again in the SEC, is Brent Venables. Couldn't agree with you more, Scott. The favorable schedule. Yeah, we're going to talk about that in a little bit. I think those are good answers. Venables, I think it's a little too early to tell because you said it best last year. Like, just look at all the people that Lincoln Riley took with him. Like, th that roster was depleted. And it's hard to come into a place like that and, you know, succeed him. I know y'all don't want to hear this. Person that needs a 10-win season to boast is Steve Sarkeesian. Sorry, man. Like, the hype at Texas is out of control. And he looking real Jimbo Fisherist himself. Five and seven, eight and five, oh one bowl games. I think they lost the Alamo Bowl. I don't even know if they still really get up to play that game. But no coach since Matt Brown has had this much hype. Like, think of all the coaches that have gone in there, had the Texas resources, and it's like, all right, cool. Like, they didn't get it done. Like, Steve Sarkeesian has people believing that they're going to win a national championship. And let's look at the optics of this. Any program that has... Quinn Ewers, Arch Manning, and B. John Robinson in a two- to three-year span, 
they're supposed to be a top 10 team. Like we're like, look, this should be a team knocking on the door of the college football playoffs. And then you add on to the fact that Steve Sarkeesian is supposed to be this offensive genius. Like you can't tell me there's more pressure on a coach to win 10 games than him. Like if he doesn't get 10 wins, like let's say if he goes seven or eight wins, like Texas fans have got to start looking at him sideways. Like, is this going to go how we think it was going to go? Cause I don't think there's no springboard. Like Don always believes after this season, if he doesn't win 10 games. So Pressure to win 10 is on him, in my opinion. I think that's a great point. I think you also think if they're struggling to win, they're probably struggling at the quarterback position. If they're struggling at the quarterback position, there's going to be controversy, and that's always a dangerous place to be in. Exactly. And can we admit this? I know I know the coaches have seen this because y'all, y'all are huddle junkies. Arch Manning don't look ready to play this year. That's just what I saw. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a coach. I don't break down the X's and O's like you guys do, but. I test tells me Arch Manning is not ready to play this year. And it's like Quinn Ewer has got to be the guy. Like he got to be more consistent. So you're right. If they're struggling, it's going to be quarterback. And it's like, it's not like they have one ready to go to take over. It's not a quarterback battle. Like we need Quinn Ewers to be the guy this year. Yeah. But see, I think it would be a similar, if JT, if Mario went eight and four this year, Nobody cares about UM. Okay. So so Mario could win seven games as long as we don't lose. To Middle Tennessee State, it'll be a springboard. Are, are you done? Are you done with your? Go ahead, because you got to find a way. To commentary, like, your fluff commentary. Like if Mario Cristobal goes five and seven to eight and four, it's a great jump. Like, and then if he can repeat that eight nine wins, that's fine. And I think at this point, Texas is starting to realize we just need to to get to a level base, eight nine wins level base. So what he did the the first year, you throw it out the window. Great. He went eight and five, gives us hope. If he can do that again, that's fine. Like, he doesn't need to win 10 games. If he wins eight and then wins the bowl game, great. If he goes nine games and loses the bowl game, great. I do believe they'll be happy with that because they'll realize, hey, we have a foundation now. Now, next year is where maybe he's got to take that next leap. So, and that's the great thing. If Arch doesn't look ready, great. There's no QB controversy, it's all Quinn. Like, I think he's in a good spot because the focus is them going to the SEC, the pressure's on Oklahoma. Like, to, to me, he's he's in a great spot. He just needs to is win eight a, games. Is this the an answer, or are you just spending a whole a whole day just trying to say I'm wrong? You're wrong. Jeez. Yeah, but okay. I got to explain right. it because hey, look, you don't watch, understand things. See sometimes. what happens. See what happens when they have – if they have bad quarterback play this year and they have that Jimbo Fisher special and – they're getting ready to go to SEC. It ain't going to be, oh, you know what, Steve? We can't wait to play a tougher competition and see what you guys are going to be like. Who are the replacements that we're looking Sark at? Was on my list too. Uh, what's that? I said Sark was on my list, too. But again, he doesn't need All right, conversation over. Coach agrees with me. Next, 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 next. Speaking of next, because he always he's going to do this forever. Next NFL guy, because we're always talking about who's the next guy to take that leap that NFL teams are going to be fighting over. Who's that coach for you? This was a really interesting question. I think this year, a bunch of seasons ago, or several seasons ago, seasons ago, names like Lincoln Riley or Brian Kelly are whispered for NFL jobs, right? Uh, but they've recently gone to new places where they're settling in and like have eyes on championships. Um, and so those like bona fide guys are not in the conversation this year, I don't think. And then some of those young up and comers, I think some of the luster has come off of them. Our guy, not Dan, but Matt Campbell. Right. I mean, like Iowa State is, I think, trending in the wrong direction. Um, and so 
like PJ Fleck, who might have had some luster a few years ago. Uh, you know, I think that's Whoa. that's a little bit. talking about PJ Ro- Fleck on this Ro- show. Ro- I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. I was like, I was like, can we get through this show without talking about PJ Fleck? I had to bring him and, 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 and y'all, y'all, y'all's you know hero has fallen from grace, and we still got to talk about PJ Fleck. So, you know, like those guys, I don't think like the NFL execs are me calling them. Um, so like the best realistic answer, I think, is Harbaugh um, because, you know, you look at this like suspension that he's now been handed down from the school and then like he's going to have this NCAA investigation. Like history would tell us that that's a time when a coach would often make the jump to the NFL. He is one of those bona fide uh, like pre-vetted candidates that, uh, that, a uh, you know, NFL owner would be willing to take a stab at. Um, but if, if, if not Harbaugh, I think like the, the best other answer would be like a young up, up and coming coordinator um, who has a successful season. And so I was thinking a name like Garrett Riley, uh, someone who's had success. And then if he had, goes to Clemson, has a good year at Clemson, the offense looks prolific, you know, someone will be like, Oh, we should get him here to train our young quarterback, you know? Um, but those are, those are my two most legitimate shots, but I think it's, honestly, this is not a year where, where uh, a college guy is going to be making the jump to the NFL. Yeah, I agree with you, coach. I, I think it's hardball. I, I think that's the obvious, the easiest answer at this point. And I think what's, what's happening with the NCAA is just going to speed up that timeline because his stock is as high as it can get. I mean, what's next wins a title. Like, I don't think that that matters in the eyes of the NFL owners because he already was successful in the NFL once and now took Michigan to back-to-back playoffs. So I think he solidified himself. Like not much more he can do in the college realm that'll get him into the NFL any quicker. And I think with all this, the suspensions and was there an agreement in the NCAA? No. And like, he may be fed up with that. Right. And, and if he leaves on top at Michigan, then his legacies stays you know stays stays true based on what he did in the 80s as the quarterback there and they'll love him because he beat Ohio State twice like he's I I I think he's I think he's gone actually I think he's out I mean that's it's kind of hard to argue with that you know your argument was so great Don I mean I'm I'm giving you props on that it really was it really was it's kind of hard to go against that but you know I'm I'm not gonna you know go with the crowd Harbor is a great answer I just don't see him giving up like the like the recruiting sleepovers and stuff like that. I think he enjoys that a lot. So <laughs> can't do that in the NFL. Um, but no, I mean, Harbaugh is an excellent choice just because I don't think he can go anywhere but up. Like it's, it's, he's at the top. So it's lonely at the top. So go back to NFL. But I'm going to go a different route. And it's a guy that I've seen everywhere he's gone. They've done great. And when he leaves, they suffer. And I'm going to go with Josh Heupel. And it just looks like he is the next type of guy that the NFL will come calling for, and he'll answer. And you just look at his offenses everywhere he's gone. They've been amazing. Like, what he did with Tennessee last year, think about it. Hendon Hooker might have been one of the best quarterbacks in Tennessee history just with the season he had last year. Like, I know we're talking about Peyton Manning and, you know, guys have won national championship at Tennessee, but Hendon Hooker was great. And if Heifel can turn Milton – into a top five pick, like he's gone. Like I don't see any way where he has two back-to-back quarterbacks that play that well. They beat Bama last year, and if Hendon Hooker doesn't get hurt, I mean, we could be talking about them in the college football playoff. Like Heupel is the type of guy that NFL teams want. 
and I might be getting ahead of myself, something about his aura and the way the players respond to him feels real Brian Dayballish to me. Like, I just get that vibe from him. And I think he'll be good in the NFL because the players like him and he knows what he's doing on offense. So that's my guy that I'm picking to take the lead. You know, when Coach Cassidy comes on the show, I feel like sometimes we, because he's so nice, we in, in his voice, like, just calms everything, right? His answers. We just, we get dazed, you know? But, like, if it was just us two, I, I, I'd be ripping into that answer. The the one pushback I would give is maybe both. Maybe both will be the next NFL guy. I just think Harbaugh has that better shot because, JT, you brought up a good point. It's you see, this is what I can't do. with. Can we just can we just move on? I, no, I said I no, agree no, with your answer, no. but you got to slip a jab in there. Yeah, hey, look, my answer is better yeah. than yours. Let me tell no, you why you're going right. to the quit, NFL. Can we just try, both be right? Quit, I quit gave you props. To, quit trying to be nice. It so, all comes so, down to how, how do you how do you how do you do how do you deal with this? You see what I gotta put up with? I only gotta do it live once a week, but he every day I gotta talk to him. Like, how do you deal with this? Like, I feel like y'all should get extra benefits from the state for dealing with this. Like, this is this is hazard pay. Like, who deals with you on a daily basis? That's not this is ridiculous. Nice, man. Dang, that's not very nice. It, it all comes oh down gosh. to Milton. If, if they can be great under him, then yeah, hypo is is definitely out. But that's going to be the problem. I think that's why Harbaugh is more of the of the lock to be the next NFL guy. It's all right though, JT. Good answer though. Good answer. All right. So, <laughs> Coach, while the Georgia Bulldogs are the defending college football champs, they were known this offseason, you know, as having one of the most notorious records of player misconduct. So, since Kirby Smart became Georgia's head, Georgia's head coach in late 2015. Dozens of players have engaged in lawless behavior, including excessive speeding, street racing, driving under the influence, even illegally bringing weapons to campus, bar fights, and even um, domestic violence. So is Georgia and Kirby smart? Are they heading for a scenario that you can see that played out kind of the way it did at, at Baylor under their football program? So that's a really interesting question because like at Baylor, what was responsible for or, you know, what brought the program down was basically the coaches were kind of sweeping all these issues under the rug. Right. Like they were trying to hide everything that was going on. They were trying to withhold the university from enforcing its own policies. Um, and what's really interesting about the Georgia offseason is like these news reports kept being released, but it was just like almost a weather report. It was just like, here are the facts. This is the situation. But there was, there was, and I never got the sense that there was like outcry of displeasure from anyone or, uh, you know, people being upset or put off by the behavior that was being reported, um, which I kind of think was interesting in a sense. So I don't think it's going to go the way of Baylor. Like, I don't think Kirby Smart is trying to hide anything. I think like they're acknowledging they've had these off the field issues, you know, they're trying to commit to, you know, improving the player's decision-making. Um, and honestly, like if you look at the history of college football, these issues often follow winning programs. Like if you look at Florida and their like mid two thousands, you look at Jim Tressel at Ohio state, like, you know, you want to look at the Canes of old, like it just sort of seems like a famous Jameis, you know, taking crab legs or anything, anything like that. Like it just seems to be like a part of the sport to a certain degree. And I don't say that to excuse the, you know, the behavior or the decisions that these kids are making, but um, you know, I, I don't think it's going to like bring Kirby smart down necessarily. 
you you stole my answer. You must have been looking at my notes uh, today in the coach's room because from I compared it more to the mid um, to late 2000s Florida Gators. Right. And unfortunately, it, it seems like this is the way and this is maybe what you were alluding to. Like, this is the way it seems to work if you win, like when teams win and win a lot, meaning titles and 11, 12 victories consistently, like you kind of get away with things that maybe other programs couldn't. If Kirby Smart's running out a seven and six Georgia team back to back years and all of this info comes out, he's gone. If Urban Meyer had done that with Florida, seven and six, six and seven, and you know, Chris Rainey's getting in trouble and you have, you know, other issues, Cam Newton supposedly stealing, you know, allegedly stealing a laptop, like Urban Meyer is gone, you know, and instead they're making a, a, a Netflix documentary, what called Swamp Kings, like they're putting kings in the title of this. And there was some you know why reckless bad kings? behavior. You know why they're calling the Swamp Kings? Because they're not talking about any of that stuff. Exactly. That you're going they're over. Still, like even with Florida stuff, they're still just kind of, oh, this is what it is. And they're not even talking about that. At least we just here with Georgia. just on Friday nights. Uh, you know, things yeah, got out of hand. They're mentioning it here. And, and I mean, unfortunately, that that is the way it is. I, I hope it's not like it was at Baylor. But, you know, there is some things that, man, it just – doesn't sound good on the surface if you're not a Georgia fan or if you're outside the program you're like wow like I don't know what's going on there yeah I I don't think it'll get to a Baylor situation for one simple answer like this is Georgia this is the top program in the SEC like like you they got stuff buried like in Fort Knox somewhere that we'll never see like that's the level of security like this program is gonna have like Kirby because you got to think about it from the perspective of the SEC and also the perspective of college football. Like, think about what Georgia has brought to the game of college football, like the revenue, the eyes. Like, they're going to protect this dude. He's basically Urban Meyer, like you said. They're going to protect this guy until he decides to move on. And the SEC will help cover that up. And to me, I actually think what's going on at Georgia is worse than what happened at Baylor. Like, you read some of these reports of some of the things the guys are doing. And like you said, it's like a weather report. It's like, yeah, you know, like, he might not practice today and then, you know, the guy's back. I think what's going to – the thing that will take Georgia down if something comes out that is so viral, like you just can't sweep it under the rug. Like that's the only thing that I think that can take them down. But I thought some of the stuff that I was reading, like that would take the average program down. Like if that was UM, like they would give us a death penalty, like just on accusations alone. But I don't – I think Georgia's untouchable. I hate to say it, but I, I mean hopefully – they can, you know, turn it around and keep it under control, but I don't see them getting any kind of trouble anytime soon. But let's get to the most exciting part because this is what people really tune in for. Hey, hey this is why we bring hey, him hey, on. They, they don't want to hear Don crying about how people had better answers than him. I'm sorry I was mean to you in the last segment. I I, I, I know you took that personally, but, you know, I got to let people know what it's like dealing with you because they see the glasses, you know, the spiky hair. They think you're like, oh, he's a nice, easy guy to get along with. Like, Brutal, brutal. Trust me, you guys, brutal. But why are you laughing, coach? Man, because he knows I'm right. Both against me. Both against me. Wow. Why not against you, John? I'm just laughing at how outlandish JT's getting tonight, you know? (laughs) He's pushed me to my breaking point over these past couple weeks. I just can't deal with him. But the next two sections are by far the most fun that we are going to have because we're going to either be geniuses or we're going to call each other and text each other for the next year and, you know, say who was wrong. But on JT and Don, we'll first start with team predictions uh, based on a category. So the big one up first is preseason top five. Coach, who do you have? 
Well, like the AP poll, not a whole lot of, uh, you know, debate here for me. So I went Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, and I put LSU in front of Alabama. Gotcha. Um, is it my turn, JT? Am I allowed to go? You know, yes, sure yes, it's your turn. Please anymore. grace right. us with your knowledge. So I think there was only one team in here that's kind of a shocker, but – I mean, it's preseason now, so keep that in mind. I'm not saying this is the way it's going to end, but I've got Georgia 1, Texas 2, LSU, Ohio State, and Michigan. Listen, I'll buy into the Texas hype. I'll fall for it again. I'll buy into it because they have a quarterback. They have their own line coming back, and top three receivers are all coming back. So that's usually when you've got that O-line and the quarterback, that's a good recipe. So that that's my five. Number Sorry, five ain't coming through that tunnel, though. <laughs> um, so I, I did this a little bit different this year because I wanted I want to be outlandish. I did my preseason five well, based on like where they're starting or where I think they could end up. So number one for me is Georgia. I mean, they're number one until they're not. Michigan at two, LSU at three, and then I got Wisconsin and Oklahoma at four and five. I, I think Wisconsin's got a pretty good shot and road to get to, to get to the college football playoffs and Oklahoma then like they got the same type of schedule set up. So I got, I'm putting them out front four and five now early. So you can't say I'm a bandwagon fan. I'm putting my name on this. We'll see if yeah. you put them in the playoffs. We'll see. All right. Yeah, we'll ahead. see. We'll see. We'll get there. We'll get there. All right. So, let, All right. so let's, so let's talk mean about some teams most overrated. Man, I struggled with this one, and I had a lot of teams come through my mind here, including it's easy. It's FSU, Florida <laughs> State. But I think I'm going to go with Tennessee, um, and I think that is just because of like the expectations that they have coming into this season after last season. A lot of hype after a great year. Um, they're ranked number 11, uh, and I think a lot of that's going to depend on how Joe Milton can perform. Um, and I think that, you know, the way their schedule sets up, they got to go to Alabama and Florida uh, before hosting Georgia. And I just think, you know, same thing. Like, if you if you look ahead, you might get trapped up by an SEC opponent. Um, or if you come off a tough loss, you might get tripped up again. Um, so I just don't – and, like, let's be real. They're not going to sneak up on anyone this year. Everyone's got Tennessee sort of, like, circled on their schedule, so to speak. Um, so I think I think this year that's going to be my most overrated team. Coach, just stay like freeze right there so everyone can see the shirt. All right. So most overrated team, Florida State right there. Listen, I know they had 10 wins. They're ranked number 14. They got guys returning. Um, but listen, they face LSU right off the bat. And LSU is going to be ready this year. Second year under Brian Kelly. They still have their quarterback. Now he's in his second season, not just his first game with LSU. They've got Clemson on a schedule, Wake, Pitt, Miami, and Florida. Like, that's tough in addition to LSU. That's six games right there. Like, if they go three and three, they out. Like, how, how can you have three losses and still be top 14 when you might have – you might fall somewhere else? So, I, I think it's Florida State. They're overrated, plus it's Florida State. I was so tempted to pick FSU, but, I mean – I don't want to be mean to our guests, but I mean, also do, that, I mean, also that pick could blow up in our face because I mean, let's be real. FSU got a good roster. I mean, they got some guys that will be playing on Sunday. So I think that first game with LSU will tell us a lot about those two teams. But the easiest one, like, how is nobody picking Alabama? Like, I don't know what poll if I looked at the right one, but they're number three. Right. So like, how is this team number three? Georgia has owned them for like the last three years. They lose two generational players. One is a quarterback. 
Bryce Young and then Will Anderson on defense, and we don't have any replacements for those guys. Like, I don't even know who the quarterback is. So how can I just automatically say, like, oh, yeah, this is the number three team in the country? That makes no sense. Any other program that would lose those type of guys and there's no secession plan, no way they're a top five team. Like, this is SEC bias at its finest. So Bama's up there for me. So FSU, Bama, um, I hope it's FSU because I don't want to see them succeed. Sorry, Coach. But um, flip the script. What's the most underrated team? All right. Uh, I'm going Oregon State. And I actually think I was talking about Oregon State the last time I was on the show and how how great of a season they were having. Um, they're coming off a 10-win season last year. Um, right now they're ranked 18 in the preseason AP poll. Um, and no one's really talking about them uh, and, and outside of conference realignment, that might be. Um but they've got a great O-line, arguably the best in the Pac-12 coming back. Um, and they've got a strong run game. And I think they've got DJU transferring in at quarterback. And I think the way they play will actually suit his strengths. Um, and I think, you know, they're going to be pushing to contend for a Pac-12 title uh, in, the, in its final season. So Oregon State. I appreciate that, Coach. Because of, because you bringing them up last year, I had to watch their night games on the West Coast last summer. So, hey, look, that's also good football, so I can get with you on that. What are we going to do without the Pac-12 after dark? That's actually – I'm kind of sad about that. What are we going to do about that next year? You're going to go to sleep on time and, and leave <laughs> people alone so we don't have to text you at midnight about Pac-12 games. More Mountain West. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> oh, no. That's worse. I don't, I don't, I don't want him texting me about the Mountain West, man. So most underrated, maybe some people don't think this, but I, I think it's Clemson. Like a lot of people think their dominance is over, and it's like where I think Coach Con, um, one of you guys mentioned uh, Garrett Riley, right? I think it was Coach, maybe Coach Cassidy. Garrett Riley's their OC. He was at TCU, and look what he did. And did we forget they have a young quarterback who got playing time last year? And he's hyped up. Like, I'll buy stock in him. That's Cade Klubnik. You still got Shipley. You got Phil Maffa in the backfield behind him. Like, that's the way Clemson's going to get it done. And, you know, they'll, they'll always have some studs on defense. They always find those guys, whether they're young or not, because they did lose some guys on that D-line. But I think it's Clemson. Like, people think it's that dominance is over. But don't sleep on them this year. They made some changes that they usually don't make. And, and I think it's going to pay off good for them. Those are good answers. I I looked at this as an underrated team for me is somebody that they're just not getting the respect, but they likely won't crash like the top 12. So I, that's why I took as an underrated team. Like maybe they're not ranked and they should be. And to me, I was like, why is nobody talking about this team? Coach, remind me if you talked about them last year, but I don't remember. It's the UTSA Roadrunners. Like this team is 23 and five over the last two years, 15 and one in conference play. And they've won back-to-back conference championships, like, and top 12 in total offense back-to-back years. Like, how is that team not being talked about? And they might have the best player that nobody talks about, that quarterback, Frank Harris. Just look at these stats. 4,000 yards plus passing last year, 32 touchdowns, only nine interceptions, 600-plus yards rushing, nine more touchdowns on the ground. In two and a half years as a starter, over 9,000 yards, 74 touchdowns to the air, over 1,800 yards, 24 touchdowns on the ground. Those are video game numbers. Like, I'm sorry. Iowa is in the top 25, and how are they even ranked ahead of this team? Iowa scored all of seven touchdowns last year, and they were gambling and couldn't even score more points. So 
how are they ranked ahead of a team like this with a guy that is putting up basically Lamar Jackson numbers? Like, this has got to be the most underrated team. Why is nobody talking about them? Like, I don't get it. So, that's actually that's a great point, JT. I, I, I don't get it, man. Don, you, you go disagree with that, or are you going to tell me how Just I'm wrong? go to the next question. I would never comment on what you got said because you get offended when I do. Finally, finally. No, 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 no. I love it. But let's see. I'm interested with these answers. Sleeper team. Sleeper team, uh, I had really had to dig around for this one, I'm, but I'm going with Louisville. And I think uh, when reflecting on it, you got the new coach and Jeff Brom coming over from Purdue. Um, and he, they've got a new transfer quarterback, Jack Plummer, who was successful at Purdue with Brom and then even at Cal on a struggling team. Um, the schedule sets up well um, for them. They don't have to play Clemson or Florida State this year. Uh, they're picked to finish like middle in the pack of the ACC. And I think, like, you know, if UNC struggles, who I thought about as being, like, one of the overrated teams, you know, they could finish, like, third or fourth in the ACC, which would be a great uh, season for them. Yeah, I like cool. it. It's, it's USC light. He's, he's uh, Lincoln Riley bringing in his Caleb Williams. I like it. Um, before I go, a couple comments here. Uh, Travis, thanks for, for watching and listening. Coach, Coach know who's, who that is. Uh, Vols are back. Obviously, Travis, a big uh, Tennessee fan. Scott, our guy, Scott, again, Terps may surprise this year, so he feels like they're that one underrated sleeper team. And then Travis, again, I'm going to get to this. U of Washington will su surprise some folks this year. I agree. I'll get to that in a little bit, Travis. Michael Penix Jr. I, I, you talked about it for like three years. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll, get, we'll get to that. We'll get to that little foreshadowing there. Uh, the one sleeper team I got, Coach, you must have saw my notes again in the coach's room. I got Oregon State. They were 10-3 and three last year. I, does anyone know they won 10 games? Like, I, I really didn't know. Like, that's crazy. And, you know, they have most of their two deep rosters returning. So, I mean, you don't get that too often in college football anymore with the transfer portal and everything. And you said it before, Coach, one of the best O-lines in the Pac-12, if not the best. And like I said earlier, you have that – O-line and a quarterback. And, oh, wait, who do they have a quarterback now? Let me see if I get this right, JT. DJ Uagalele. Did I get it right? I think it's Uagalele, but, I mean, hey, that's good. That's close. Uagalele? I think Ula that's Lely. how you I say it. I think the G is silent. Uh, all right, maybe. Silence. You should I, know this. That's the rule. I don't, <laughs> I don't think it's silent. But, anyway, they got him now, transfer QB. Like, they're ready to rock. I think they can crash any party. I'm not saying they get to the college football playoffs, but – that 10 wins, they might repeat again. And, um, you know, I, I, that's the one sleeper team I'm, I'm interested in looking at. Good choices, guys. I like them. I took this as a team that I think can definitely crash the top 10 that's not there right now. So I'm, I'm sticking to my guns. I'm going with Wisconsin. First of all, the main reason is Luke Fickle is who P.J. Fleck thinks he is. And Fickle is – you. one of you guys called it one of the best coaching hires, and I think that – he is going to do great things in Wisconsin. And I already like how Wisconsin goes about their business. They, you know what they're going to be. You know what they're going to do. But you look at that schedule. I mean, outside of the Ohio State game, tell me a game where they should not be favored. Like, they get, they don't have to play Michigan. They don't have to play Penn State. And it's just Ohio State. And I'm not even sure Ohio State is, you know, the normal Ohio State that we're used to seeing. And, heck, if they're not that and they can't beat Michigan, then that game looks less intimidating to me if I'm Wisconsin. So, I think because it's his first year, people are like, nah, we'll see what happens. But I think, look, they hired him to win now. Because think about it. They turned down, was it Leonard, who they love him in Wisconsin, to go get Fickle. So 
that lets you know that they think they can win now. And that schedule, his first year sets up perfect for them to crash the top 10. I think they can get as high as four or five. So that's where I'm going. Hey, Coach Connor, who, what did I say that they're calling their offense now? It's not air raid, but dairy raid. Dairy raid. The dairy raid because of Wisconsin. Interesting. Interesting. All right. So what's one team that will disappoint? Oh, my goodness. This – like I never thought I would be saying this, but I'm going with Alabama. Kind of building Ooh. on some of the points that JT was making um, earlier. And I think like if you're an Alabama fan, you expect your team to be in the SEC championship game, be in the college football playoff, you know. Um, and I just don't know. I think there's too many questions now. They've got to replace two new coordinators, or they, you know, had to replace two new coordinators in the offseason. Uh, lack of depth at wide receiver. Uh, and, you know, we still don't even know who the starting quarterback is. Um, so I just think there's too many questions, not to mention, like, I think LSU's, you know, no longer down. I think they're going to be uh, competing for the top of that SEC West. And uh, so I think Alabama's going to have a disappointing year per their typical expectations. Yo, did you two forget who the head coach of Alabama is? Is it is I it not Nick forgot. Saban? I want to make sure. Is it not Nick Saban? I'm Listen, not enough anymore. Is it Nick Saban. I, I said disappointing per their standards. I think most teams in America would trade to be in their position and have this season that they will eventually end up having. But you know, we've got some predictions later to come, so you, you'll see where. Okay. Well, it. Coach Saban. Relax, man. Relax. So, Coach Saban, we know you watch the show. Don't lump me in with these two guys. I, I still have faith in you. Um, not that I'm a Bama fan or anything, but I still have faith. I'm not going against you. Um, so, interesting uh, comment from Mike Wallace. I'm late to join. That's all right. You're always late. But I see an FSU shirt. Somebody smart. Listen. Mike, just for that, the one team that will disappoint, your FSU Seminoles, all right? They went from 9-10 wins. Listen, they got high, high hopes in Tallahassee. It's false hope. It's false bravado, right? They have a tough schedule. I went through it. Six games. They could go two and four in those six games. No joke. They're not back yet. Relax. Miami's been the king of being back. You're not back yet, FSU. We've seen this in Miami, so you're going to see it in Tallahassee. Uh, relax, you're going to be the one team that, that disappoints. And it's going to happen right off the jump first game. I don't, really, don't want to answer this question now because I didn't know we were going to have a Volunteers fan in the audience tonight. Uh, <laughs> He's a good guy. He's a good guy. Don't hey, do it hey, to him. Don't do it to him. I'm, I'm going to call him Mr. Mr. Woody out of respect because I don't know I don't know him. And I, don't, I know I'm going to say some mean things, but look, this is I'm not speaking directly to you. I'm speaking about your team. Look, <laughs> I respect you 100%, but I got to go with your balls, man. They are ranked number 10. And this is the funniest thing about this team. The only reason they are ranked number 10, well, the main reason is the coach, which we already talked about. But the main reason they are ranked number 10 is Anthony Richardson's combine. Because Anthony Richardson blew up the combine and went in the top five, everybody thinks Joe Milton is going to be like that. It's like, oh, well, Anthony Richardson was bad. Joe Milton only threw two interceptions last year. And he's an athletic freak like Anthony Richardson. Oh, national championship. And it's like, no, man. You got to look at everything they lost. I already said, hater love it. Hendon Hooker, one of the top quarterbacks in Tennessee history. You just don't replace those guys. Like, he was legit the real deal. But you're talking about losing guys like Hyatt, Tillman. Like, they lost other guys. And I just don't think – first of all, I don't think Milton's only going to throw two picks. But I don't think this team as is as talented as they were last year. I feel like 
last year, like I already said, pre-Hendon Hooker injury, this might have been the top team not named Georgia in the SEC and the top five team in the country, no doubt about it. I'm not seeing that this year from them. So to put them in the top 10 says that they're going to make the playoffs. And I don't see any scenario where Tennessee even sniffs the playoffs. Like, they're just not the same team they were last year. So I think they're overrating it because of the quarterback and what happened the previous season. So I'm going to pick them. Mr. Wooden, I'm sorry. I had to go with your guys. We could talk about it after, but I'm sorry Tennessee's not going to do it this year. All right, so let's flip to the individual side and look at some players. So we'll do the same thing based on categories. So, Coach, your top three players. All right, I had to throw a running back in there, so we'll go with Blake Corum. Uh, <laughs> Got to throw a Seminole in there, so we'll go with Jared Verse. Uh, and, I mean, anyone who's seen Brock Bowers play would want to put him in the top three, I think. So Ooh. Those are the three I'll go with for fun. So, real quick, who are they again? Uh, Blake Corum, Brock Bowers, Jared Verse. You don't put a quarterback in there? Wow. wow. That's later. All right. That's later. All right, JT. I mean, let's be real. It's the first time he could put an FSU defensive player in there since Derrick Brooks, man. Like, he got to take the chance to do it. Um, this is easy. Like, I didn't have to study. It's Caleb Williams, Marvin Harrison Jr., and I agree, Brock Bowers. That's top three. Not close. I got a combination of those. I think number three is Jared Verse. I think number two is Marvison Heron. Marvin Harrison Jr. and number one is Caleb Williams. I mean, that's, after that's, all that's that, all that stuff you talk, you put an FSU player in the top three after everything you just put. A, I'm jinxing him. Reverse psychology. I'm jinxing him. I'm jinxing him. I'm jinxing for the, him. For those of your listeners who don't realize what a cool story that is, though, it's like he was playing football at U Albany a couple of seasons ago, yep. and the Florida State coaches were watching an opponent film playing Albany, and they're like, "Who the hell is that guy? <laughs> Who's the guy on the other side? Yeah, right." <laughs> And, you know, lo and behold, now he's like a top player in the country. And, you know, Miami was looking at him, and I don't know if they did offer either. He wasn't though, looking at us. But I guess he wasn't looking at us. But, um, but yeah, it, it is it is amazing how how he's gotten there and how far he's come in terms of being nationally nationally known. Uh, Coach, one breakout star. All right, Don, you were talking about him earlier, Cade Klubnick. I think, uh, you know, he's got a ton of talent around him. Will Shipley, um, Garrett Riley coming in to coordinate the offense. And I think, like, everyone thinks that's going to wake and wake up and refresh and, uh, what Clemson's been doing. The criticism there had been things were getting stale. Um, so I'm really, you know, arguably an upgrade with DJU transferring out and Cade Klubnick coming in. He got some decent experience last year, uh, played a little bit in the ACC championship game and the bowl game and stuff. So, uh you know, I think he's going to build off of that from last year, and uh, he's going to be my breakout star. JT? Uh, I told you, I'm doing this show risky this year, so I'm, I'm going <laughs> into my bag of tricks, man. <laughs> I, I, I don't I don't care. I don't care. I'm going with uh, Luther Burton, wide receiver from Missouri. Like, you just brought up Club Nick, top five player in that recruiting class, right? You know who else was in there with him? This guy. So, I mean, he's got the talent. I just think Missouri has been holding him back, but – they got a new quarterback, a guy who Don swore was the future of the program. And he took his talents. I don't even know where. Is it Columbia? He took his talents to Columbia. That's Jake Garcia. So he's actually got a good quarterback. Missouri's got a solid defense, by the way. But I just think, man, that when you get a quarterback like that and a talented wide receiver, I think you're going to see him be unlocked. Like, I'm not saying that he will be Jamar Chase, but I kind of see some similarities to their game. Like, he's the type of guy that we're looking back for, like, Man, like, how did he become a first-round pick? It's going to start this year. So that's my guy. 
So, JT, I'll let you read this, but Travis has a response for you there. So I'll, I'll let you read that response so the people that don't see the video can hear it. So go ahead, re- read that response. And if you have a, a response to yo, his, go Yo, go know the name Squirrel White. Enough said. We will talk about this offline. All right. My breakout star, I think he's going to be known in every household, especially come the draft time. I'll go out on the limb here. I think it's K.J. Jefferson, quarterback of Arkansas. He had – 24 touchdowns, and on top of that, 640 rushing yards and nine rushing touchdowns last year. He's 6'3", 247. I think he's going to be one of the best, if not the best, uh, dual-threat quarterbacks in all of college football this year. I think it was the bowl game where I was completely sold. I think they had a crazy – I forget who they played, Kansas maybe. They had a crazy bowl game up and down the field, and I was like, yo, next year, this is going to be the guy. So – I've got KJ Jefferson, quarterback of Arkansas. I like all three of our answers, to be honest. KJ is built like a tank, man, <laughs> with like a rocket booster. I don't think people realize how big he is. Him, him in the running back for Arkansas. I just feel like if you're just overgrown for your position, you go to Arkansas. It's like it's crazy, man. Arkansas is so fun to to watch for that reason. <laughs> uh, coach, one player that will not live up to expectations this season. All right, so this is with apologies to our listener, Scott, and all my Terp friends. Uh, And maybe Don knows where I'm going with this now, but I'm going with Talia Tagovailoa. Um, You know, I think Maryland's got some pretty optimistic expectations for their year this year. Um, But we've talked a lot about, like, O-line, and Maryland's got to replace everyone up front. They also lost a bunch of their skill out wide with all their wide receivers leaving. Um, And Talia's just – struggled to take care of the football at times in the past. And I think uh, ultimately he and thus Maryland will maybe not live up to the expectations that they have for themselves this year. Mm. JT. This was hard, man. I mean, you can go so many different ways. I, I wanted to put DJ on this list, but I'm like, nah, he's already got, he's already got piled on enough, man. Just being at Clemson and not being successful. So nah, he's coming back. He, this is comeback year for nah, him. At Oregon. He already showed us who he Spencer nah, Rattler, nah, nah, but I mean, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to be a dead horse. That's um, a little blow. <laughs> all right, I'm not. Um, I don't want to put this guy on there, but I just don't see how he can live up to expectations. It's because of injury. It's the Utah quarterback Cam Rising. Like, I he tore his ACL late in the season. Like, the freakiest of humans can't come back from that and perform better the following season. So, just because of that scenario. I'm out and like Utah continues to lose talent, you know, to graduation and stuff like that. And I think, I mean, he's a great player, but they're counting on him to be, you know, that guy that carries a program through a year like this. And I don't see how you do it with, you know, ACL rehab this close to the season. So I got to pick him. We saw it with De'Ara King at Miami JT, where he did it in the bowl game and he worked so hard to get back. And that senior year, he just wasn't quite the same, right? Yeah. Like, Springboard Springboard to the next year. It didn't count. Like, it was just a bad season. Springboard. And and, and he he relies on his mobility, too. uh, And, like, off-script plays and stuff. Right, right. Yeah, springboard is kind of the word of the show. So, uh, I used it. I used it in the sentence. I'm I'm, I'm in the spelling bee. Hold on, Tom. Before we go on to this next one, can we all say the obvious answer is Caleb Williams? Because if he don't win a Heisman Trophy or go to a national championship, that's got to be it, right? I disagree. I think it's Drake May. I, he's getting so much hype. He's getting more hype than Caleb Williams, right? And he, to me, he got everybody by surprise last year. And to me, 
This reminds me a little bit of Sam Howe 2.0. That's oh, the Sam Howe who you trying to convince everybody that will listen. He is the second coming of Johnny Unitas. That Sam Howe? No, not that far. Oh, not but that guy, gonna, but guy. Sam Howe's going to have a great year at Washington. But I kind of feel this is giving me Sam Howe 2.0 vibes. Like, great first year. All right, here's that next level. Oh, it didn't happen. And, and people think but the ACC is so easy. And I think that's the that's the deceiving point. They all think, like, it's so easy. It's like, no, man. You got to go through some really good teams at times. And their schedule is not going to be easy. It's, yeah, and, I agree with you. It's But the thing was – I, but I they're think expecting funny. him to win a Heisman, JT. Do you understand this? He has like the well, first second of all, or third nobody's best winning a Heisman at North Carolina. That's that's but the, that's, that's the my first whole. Thing. But that's but, my. But whole I agree point. with you on Sam Howell because the reason Howell struggled year two is because he lost all his weapons. You forgot how loaded that team was. They had what Javante, Michael Carter. They had two receivers. And they he's got losing Josh Downs. Downs. I mean, and he lost Josh Downs exactly. And yeah, then yeah. they had receivers transferring this year, and I think one of them is is like not even eligible to play. So. He loses all his weapons, and you said the ACC is tougher than people think. I want to pick Drake May, but I think I think Cam Rising for me is just more because I just don't see it happening because of the injury. You were scared but to May go is out a good on win. That's okay. Scared to go out on one. All right, Coach Cassidy, your impact freshman. All right, uh, Anthony Hill was the number one linebacker in his class uh, at, at Texas. He's you know well built freshman, six three two thirty. Um, so it looks like he's going to start in week one after a great spring. Uh, and he's getting a ton of praise from Coach Sark uh, as being one of the best pass rushers on the team. Uh, and then 24-7 Sports has compared him to Harold Perkins and Micah Parsons. So that's some pretty high praise. Uh, so I'm going with Anthony Hill from Texas. All right. Nice. Nice. JT? Freakiest of athletes. Michael Parsons. That's high. That's high praise. Well, I agree, man. Don, Don knows, man. When it comes to prospects, I like the super freaks, man. So I'm going to give you the freakiest guy that I think is a freshman. I hope I say his name right. It's uh, Kamorian Pimpton, the tight end from LSU. All you got to know is 6'6", 240, athletic freak. I think I was looking up, like, his measurables. His testing, they're, like, all-time off the charts for receiver and tight ends, like, for a recruit coming out of high school. And All-American, of course. Look at his senior year of high school, 50 receptions, 951 yards, 16 touchdowns. He scored more than Iowa did last year, and I'm pretty sure he didn't have a quarterback thrown to him in high school. So I got to go with this guy. And then LSU is also starving for a starting tight end, so I think he can get on the field. Um, So I'm going to go with him. I'm I'm always going to go with the the freakiest of freaky athletes, and he is the guy at the top of my list. So, Coach, it's funny that you're on the show when – I mean, JT's been ripping Iowa, right? And JT, I don't know if you know this, Coach Cassidy, he does love Iowa football. Just so you know, he loves Hawkeyes football the way they play. So just so you know, apologies. it's kind of it, it's kind of funny like every Iowa time. Football, man. I'm sorry you like it. I'm just gonna give two names real quick. Jaden Greathouse, receiver, Notre Dame. He's basically gonna start as a true freshman, it seems like, and he's got Sam Hartman throwing to him, and then um, at Clemson, Peter Woods, defensive lineman, he had seven tackles, one sack in the spring game. They lost a lot of talent to the NFL. He's going to be thrown into the fire, I, I think. And he's just that continues that tradition of great uh, Clemson defensive linemen. So Peter Woods, Jaden Greathouse. Uh, coach, top transfer QB. Hmm, a, a good list here to choose from, but I'm going with Sam Hartman at Notre Dame. Uh I mean, how long has this guy been in college? I think he started for like six years. Can, at Can he pick it? The Kenny uh, pick it. Same year. But like, uh, you know, he's reputed to be like an excellent leader, very mature. He's got a ton of experience. He had an excellent career at Wake. Um, 
you know, and now he's at a, like a top 10 blue blood program. Uh, and so, you know, I think he'll, he'll have an immediate impact there at Notre Dame. Okay. That's a good one. JT. I disagree with you on Notre Dame. I feel like Notre Dame is always a trap situation. We, they, they, they give you the top 10 price tag, but you check under the hood. But he's a good quarterback, though. He is a good yeah, he's quarterback. Good. I, I, I'll give him that. Look, I didn't want to pick this guy because, Don, you and I have talked bad about him at times. And I'm like, you know what? I'm trying to find every reason to say this dude's not going to succeed. And every time I just kept looking at the stats and I just can't go against him. It's Shadur Sanders going to Colorado. Like, tell me a quarterback that you can get in the portal that can do this. 3,700 yards. Plus passing 40 touchdowns to just six interceptions. Like, it's impossible to get that. Like, I don't understand. I, I think he can play quarterback. Now, if he can play at the D1 level, I think that's what me and Don have debated. Like, I'm coming around more and more because, one, he's going to be playing with much better talent at Colorado than he did at, at Jackson State. So that's the first thing. And then you guys always talking about the next guy up, the offensive coordinator, Sean Lewis, like Kent State. You forget, Kent State put up a lot of offense when he was there. Now you bring in a guy that knows offense, knows how to develop not just quarterbacks but offensive players. I think Kent State had like five or six guys transfer out and go to Power 5 conferences in the portal themselves. So that tells you he got the most out of them while putting up a lot of numbers. So I just think it's a perfect storm for this guy to come in and play in a league where they don't play defense anyway. So like, I feel like shooting fish in a barrel. So I don't want to go with him, but I got to go Shadur. Uh, don't be mentioning Sean Lewis like all of a sudden you found like I've been mentioning you hate it, you for hate, two you, years. You just hate it when I when, when I yeah, put because you good points. You steal my thought. For, for, for those for those that are watching you at home, if thought. you ever want to know who's winning the debate, just watch his reactions. He does this every time. No, you're not winning the debate, but you stole my answer. I've been talking about Sean Lewis next guy up as well as like. Miami should have made him OC two years ago and they didn't. But anyway, listen, you, you bring up an interesting point. With uh, with Sanders, as Travis Wooden agrees, he's going to light it up. But this is the thing. Don't dog the talent that was at Jackson State. I and then the other difference is the other difference better is, at Colorado. He, but he had better talent compared to his competition at Jackson State. Did he not? Deion Sanders brought Travis Hunter to Jackson State, the number one recruit. Now Jackson Hunter, yes, is in Colorado. But guess what? He's not surrounded by all these other great players compared to their competition. So I'm going to go with the guy that everyone's dog. He's going to be in more of a pro-style offense that actually fits him, and they proved that they could do it last year, and it's DJ Uigalele. I mean, it, I think he's the top transfer because of the situation he's going to. He even said himself that he picked Oregon State because of the offense. It fits him better. And so I think he's going to be more comfortable, and his true talents are going to, um, are going to be displayed. So, Coach, the opposite, top transfer who's not a QB interesting I was looking at a couple of these Georgia guys and kind of tying back to our conversation earlier like at first I was wondering why are these Georgia guys leaving you know you come off two national titles um, but maybe some of the off the field stuff has contributed to, to these guys leaving but um, I guess I'll go with A.D. Mitchell wide receiver now at Texas uh, he was a key part of the Georgia runs um, and you know, he's joining what's arguably now the second deepest wide receiver room at Texas behind only Ohio State. Uh, and he received like the most targets in the spring game. Uh, so I think he's going to be, you know, an instant impact there at Texas. And I actually do think Texas is going to have a good year and he'll be a, a big part of that. Hey, JT, I know where this is going. 
Um, do, you, do you want to go first? I don't want to steal your thunder because I, I, I really want to give you a fair opportunity. Sure, I'll go first. All right. If you don't have Travis Hunter, then your standard. <laughs> I actually answer. do. That's okay, my good. answer. It's Travis good, Hunter. Okay, there say, we go. Your standards answer is false. Then all right, it's Travis Hunter. Let's be let's be let's be real. He's the number one guy in the class of what twenty twenty two, and he's transferring out after one year, and he did really well at Jackson State. I mean, it's Travis Hunter. Uh, let's just be honest. I knew you guys were going to say Shadur and Travis Hunter, so I stayed away from that. I, I just want to ask Don, right, how, how do you feel going first and getting that answer out first? Everyone knows great. that you were the I guy. Feel you feel good? You're going, to stay, you're going to steal my answer, and you probably didn't have Travis Hunter, and you're like, oh, that's No, I did. I really did. I'll, I'll show me, you after the show. I did have Travis Hunter. It's for all the reasons you let said, former number one recruit. But it's like, when we're looking at number one recruits over years, like, he's up there amongst the elite of the elite, and he's playing special teams, defense, and offense, and it's like, realistically, I don't want to overreact. He might be the best player in the Big 12 next year, this year, if he lives well, up to still, his potential. They're still Pac-12. They're still Pac-12. Pac-12 sorry, yeah, Pac-12. Yeah. He might be. The, he might be the best non-quarterback out there, and it's like he's just biding his time until he's going to be a top-five pick. Like this is this is the thing I hate about cornerbacks that are so highly recruited at high school. It's like no matter what they do, they're always going to be up there. Like this is the Derek Stingley Jr. effect. So like he's the next guy. So it's him. You're right. You absolutely nailed that pick. I'm proud of you. You know what you're talking about. You do your research. I'm, I'm lucky to have you on this show with me, man. What would I do without you? You're a pretty All good your host yourself. All right. And frankly, we can't we can't talk about transfers without talking about Colorado. I mean, that was one of the key storylines of the offseason, right? Is like what Dion has done with the transfer portal and basically turned over his entire roster. Uh, and it'll be really interesting to see how it all pans out and whether or not they can like put some results and and turn those into wins on the field. So, coach, with with you being the great coach that you are with the transfers, right? Do you – and we haven't talked about Colorado really here. Do you think Coach Prime can get all of those guys to buy in? Because they're all coming from different places. They're, they're you know, different four- or five-star type of guys. They all think they can get to the NFL because now they're at a power five with a Coach Prime as their coach. Like, you know, you've got Cormani McClain, top corner went from Miami, flipped to Colorado, and, you know, they did it kind of in a, in a sneaky way, which is fine. Like, that's the new age of doing it. But he's getting all these guys. Can he get them to buy in, or do you think it's more of a show and these guys are in it for themselves? That's a good question. I, I have honestly have no idea, and I'm really excited to see the way it plays out. But just thinking about it now as you ask the question, I think, like, you know, Coach Prime's pretty convincing. Like He is. I, I buy in every time I want like, I can imagine if I'm a young kid in that locker room, I'm I'm, I'm going to be fired up to go play. Yeah. We're going to find out right away, right? I think September 2nd, TCU. Hey, I know they lost a lot of guys, but but you know their coach is going to get TCU. I think, I think TCU going to struggle this year. That should be an easy game for Colorado. Ooh. I kind of think it's the opposite. I, I think Colorado is going in there thinking they're going to win. Don't forget, TCU still has some big dudes. All right, Coach Cassidy, this is the big one. Heisman winner. All right. Uh, Who should I go put my money on down at MGM National Harbor? No, I'm Travis just kidding. Hunter. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going with Jaden Daniels from LSU. Uh, I think LSU brings back so much talent on both sides of the ball, but especially up front and at the skill positions. Um, and he's just a, a great veteran. He had, you know, successful seasons when he was at Arizona State before transferring in. I also think like my personal feelings about Brian Kelly aside, I think he can coach quarterbacks well. He can coach offense well. Um, and I just think, like, also, you're playing in the SEC West. You've got a stacked schedule. 
Um, you're going to have plenty of opportunities for those Heisman moments. I think he's got all the ingredients lined up for him to, to secure that Heisman trophy. That's a good one. That's a good one. JT. Explosive tool threat guy, you know? Yep, yep. We like those quarterbacks. Man, I was I was really close to going Daniels, but I'm just like, mm, don't do it. And, Don, I don't want to steal your thunder because I think you're going to name a guy that I will have on my list too, so I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go with the pick that – I don't like him as a player because I don't I don't I don't think he's that special going to the NFL, but I just think the program that he plays for, the success that people think they're gonna have this year and their path to the college football playoffs is probably one of the best. It's JJ McCarthy from Michigan. Like I feel like they've been talking about him. Oh, he can win a Heisman trophy one day. Like he's a first round pick. And I was like, I haven't seen the first round talent from him myself, but hey, this is what the media thinks. So if Michigan is undefeated at the end of the year or they have one loss going into the college football playoff. If he's having a solid season, he will be a top three candidate. And I just think it's it's hard for Caleb Williams to win another Heisman without doing so much more stuff that's unattainable, where like they can just give it to a guy like JJ because he plays for Michigan. So I'm gonna go with him. All right, all right. I, I'm gonna go um quarterback as well. And I know Travis is still watching. I alluded it to it earlier. I think it's Michael Penix Jr. That guy's the next one up. Like he's pack pack 12, Washington. I, I think he's going to have a great year. I think he's going to have a phenomenal year. So my guy's Michael Penix Jr. All right. I think we can't – nobody was wrong with their answer. These, these guys, literally, this might be one, two, three at the end of the year with the Heisman race. So, guys, good picks, but – And no one said go. Drake May or Caleb Williams. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's so hard. Think about what he would have to do to win it a second time. It's hard to repeat, yeah. He'd have to win the national title. He'd have to have a great year and win the national – like. Yeah. Watch Caleb wins the national title. Wrong, wrong. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but that's perfect segue. Let's talk about, you know, the season prediction. So let's start with the Power Five conference winner. So let's run through these. I'm going to give you guys a conference. Give me your winner. SEC. Let's start with the big dogs first. LSU. LSU? I got Georgia. They're number one until they're not. ACC. Florida State. Who? I'm going Miami. I'm 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 all in. I'm buying the crystal ball stuff. I, I'm all in. I'm all in. Let's go. I live on. I live in in reality. It's FSU. Um, <laughs> Pac-12. Wait, how are you going to dog FSU the whole time and then pick them? I, I didn't dog them. Makes no sense. Yes, I said I don't want them to succeed, but go ahead. Uh, Pac-12. Uh, USC. Washington. USC. Big Ten. Michigan. Ohio State. Michigan, Big 12. Texas. Texas. Oklahoma. All right. See, that wasn't that bad. Now, this is this is the big boy prediction. College football playoffs. So this is really interesting um, because the Big 12 and the Pac-12 are projected to have a ton of parity and be, like, pretty deep overall. And then we've got these, like, heavy hitter powers in the SEC – in the Big Ten. So it's going to be interesting to see, like, do some of these leagues cannibalize themselves and thus eliminate a contender like SC or Texas? Uh, and then, like, how many of the, you know, elite programs from the Big Ten and the SEC get in? Um, and so that's where I was, like, going back and forth about. But I do think uh, Florida State's going to win the ACC and they will get in. Uh, and I think, like, you know, uh, Michigan's going to win Big Ten, so they're in. LSU is going to be in, but LSU is going to narrowly defeat 
a previously undefeated Georgia who will also get in. So I've got LSU, Georgia, Florida State, and Michigan in the playoffs. Like it. All right. Hey, look, he's all in on his team. FSU is going to go on, go on to the top. All right. Wow. Wow. Whew. Man. So you got beat Michigan, that. I dare Georgia, you to beat that. Michigan, Georgia, FSU, LSU. Write these down, too. I, I, I'm writing them down. I, I, so tell down. me how you're going to match that. What you got? All right. So number one, I, I'll go seedings. Number one, Ohio State. I, I love how you got – like, I'm not an Ohio State fan, but this is when they win. Sounded like one today. Every, I know, because everyone puts them down. It's Ohio State. Number two is going to be LSU. Three is Texas. Told you I'm buying into the hype. And four, Michael Penix Jr. is going to win the Heisman because he gets them to the playoffs. Number four is Washington. He's going to beat Caleb Williams. Is Michael Penix Jr. your Justin Herbert this year? Because I feel like you, you do this every year. You get one quarterback out west. You just fall in love so, so wait, staying that, up too late watching their games. And then, boom, the next year they're in the national title game. Is yeah, he the he, Justin Herbert this he's, year? The Oregon he's the Justin Herbert. And who did I have last year? I told you, Anthony Richardson. So, Herbert Richardson, this one's Michael Penix Jr. I don't miss on these guys. Just oh, saying. I didn't. I have no idea we're looking at the quarterback guru here. Somebody could get him. Um, I guess I could do seeding, but number one to me is Georgia. Two is Michigan. Three is LSU. I think LSU will probably lose to Georgia in that game. And I got Oklahoma at four. Oh, goodness. You don't, you don't, you don't respect the big 12 at all. <laughs> what do you mean? I, I mean, do you? What has what Oklahoma done? Because the only, the only thing standing in their way is Texas. That's really it. I and I don't have faith in that's Texas. That's being disrespectful. But it's I'm, a, it's I'm not. Yes, you I are. said Sark needs a 10-win season. I don't see it happening. All right, guys. National title and the winner. Dang. I, honestly, <laughs> tough to predict how it's all going to shake out, obviously. But I guess I'll go, uh, I think, LSU and I think Michigan – and I think LSU is going to be be the top dog. Man, I've got yeah. L, I've got LSU in Washington with LSU winning. He said it with his chest too, all the way out there. What are you going to do? What would you would you say? I said LSU Washington with LSU winning. I, got I hate to do it because of Brian Kelly, but I'll tell you what—he proved me wrong last year. I didn't think he could win in the SEC. He's already got those guys well ahead of where I thought, and he's got that quarterback, as as Coach Cassidy said. I don't want to pick him, but I think it's going to be Georgia because I feel like I just don't see how they just fall from grace like that. And I got them playing Michigan. And you know what? Just because I don't want to see Georgia win, it's like the gods can't do it to us three years in a row. I'm going to pick Michigan to break through. But, JT, this something that you've told me, about Stetson Bennett, right? Like, I, I don't think he's... Oh, gonna... now, now you listen to what I say. <laughs> Go ahead. Give I don't me this think, knowledge that I dropped I, on you. I don't think it'll translate to the NFL, but I think people may have actually underestimated him in college. Oh, for So sure. the fact that they're, what, going to Carson Beck, we're just presuming they're not going to lose anything. Like, think about the guys that had in there before, like Jake Fromm, JT Daniels, all these hyped-up guys. They couldn't win. Like, yeah, granted, maybe they didn't have quite the same team, but here comes Stetson Bennett, who had to leave and then come back. And you're right, like, you're right. But but here's the thing. He's a with very Georgia. valuable piece. I, I don't think it's just plug and play at quarterback for Georgia. New coordinator, too. Ooh, yeah. I get I get Monken's gone. I get that, but Georgia's still Georgia. And the fact that Bama is down, I don't trust Tennessee. Florida's not even in the equation. And LSU is really the only other team. It's like, we love LSU. I do. I love them because I put them in my top five. 
I love LSU, but the thing is, I got to see it from them. Like, can they do this with this new team when the pressure is on them? They had no pressure last year. Now you're talking about Jaden Daniels winning the Heisman. Brian Kelly's all of a sudden the best coach in the SEC, according to you guys, and they're just going to waltz right into a championship. Georgia's done it. They've been there. And the thing with Georgia is, you know, they're loaded. There's they got first round picks upon first round picks just waiting. Well, like think about the guys that couldn't get on the on the field at Georgia. Like five stars that were generational prospects couldn't get on the field but, at Georgia. JT, and we're talking about oh because we don't know the quarterback. Like Georgia, okay. Georgia can win eleven games without a quarterback. But you said the same thing about Bama. That's why you're not buying the hype. But Bama doesn't. Overrated. Bama doesn't have the level of talent that Georgia does. Oh, see, they don't. That, see, they don't. that's where Bama could. Bama could win seven games this year. You, th- you think about that. But when Georgia's lost all that talent, you're just presuming because we know they're going to restock. So Bama how doesn't don't have you know that, that Bama has it? Does Bama, Bama does not, not have, have that top talent. Five That's what they don't have that talent. They don't have top five classes. Got it. They, they, do. they do. They got no talent. They hey, look, no they're talent. not. Hey, well, gotcha. then, then talk to your gotcha. guys, Saban, because they're not gotcha. playing up to it. Gotcha. I think the pressure point that you bring up, uh, JT, about LSU, I see it the other way. I see the pressure getting to Georgia. And I also think just like, you know, they're kids uh, and it's hard to keep kids hungry. And I think if you just look at history, when was the last time there was th- a three-time, three-peat national champion? I think you got to go back to the 30s, Minnesota, right? Like, you know, all these <laughs> guys. before row the boat? Well before, right? <laughs> now. Right, I'm, I'm, I'm logging out. Where's where's the exit? But I, I don't, I don't want to talk about rowing the boat. I, I get it. And, and I, I think also, too, like you and went through this where it's like you're so dominant for so long. It's like. We'll really see these kids left behind on, I like, I call it the third year deal. Like these kids left behind on this third year deal. Like how hungry are they? You're right. Like how good are they? Cause sometimes, you know, you fall in love with recruiting rankings and you know, they turn out to not be good. That's what happened to you. And we had all these highly rated guys that were leftovers from the dynasty and they just turned out not to be that good. But I trust Kirby. He knows what he's doing. And uh, Georgia has shown consistently that they can just reload. So like I said, they're it until they're not. I just think Michigan is one of the few teams in the country that has shown me over the past couple of years that they're they can at least be as physical as Georgia in in a, in a game setting. And Georgia should have lost to Ohio State last year, right? If it wasn't for a kick, so it's it's not like Georgia's unbeatable, but I think they can get there for sure. But I think Michigan just something about them it just tells me they're going to get it done this year. So, Coach Cassie, this is all your fault because two years ago when you picked Georgia into the playoffs, I think to win the title or whatever it was, JT and I were like, ah, they'll do Georgia stuff. Now JT is saying, oh, it's Georgia three years in a row. They've shown they can do it. They're the greatest team ever, greatest dynasty ever. So you started off. Are you mad at him or are you mad at me? I don't get it. Which one are you upset with? I'm mad at both of you. I'm mad mad at both of you because even though Coach is a guest star of ours, he's he's really part of the family. So, uh, Coach. Hey, we don't want to take up any more of your time. We know it's late. Thank you very much for coming on. It's always the most fun with you. One of our favorite shows to do. And we'd like to book you right now for the conference championship uh, week leading into conference championship weekend. So hopefully we can we can book that now. We'll see how far off base we were. Is he going to wear shirt, though? Because if FSU, if FSU is terrible this year, he got to wear that shirt. He's don't, not, don't come Lawson in here in any other gear, but FSU if you guys are bad. I'll borrow some Canes gear from the Don. As there we go. Hey, if the Canes have a better record, I'll, I'll lend you a shirt. You got to wear a Canes shirt. Hey, don't throw me in this bed. I'm not wearing any FSU things. I'm, I won't be. Able to I didn't say I would. I just. I'm said not. I'm not getting involved. Well, thank you guys for having me. It's always fun. Yes, thank you, thank you to Coach Cassidy as always, and thank you for 
you, the fans and listeners out there, for always listening to us. And remember, you can subscribe and find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and whatever platform you find all of your other favorite podcasts. And remember, if you like what we do, leave us a five-star review. And JT, if you don't like what we do, leave us a five-star review. And remember to subscribe or to follow us on social media, our handle, JT and the Don. We can be found on TikTok, Twitter, Facebook, and the main one, Instagram. So remember again, JT and the Don presented by Give Us a Shot Network. JT, that was a lot of fun, man. And until the next episode, see ya. Peace.